Good morning, Orchard Village Church. So good to see you guys. When we don't have midweek, it feels like a lot longer than a week. How many of you had a good Christmas? Amen. We did as well. We have one more today at 4 o'clock with my side of the family. So one more Christmas to, to get through. And I've got a big pork shoulder, pork butt smoking in the smoker right now. Hopefully it doesn't overcook by the time I get home today. But they're pretty forgiving, I think. So we're going to have some pulled pork tonight. Uh, also, what a year 2020 has been. It's probably an understatement, but what a year it's been. And for me, I, you can look at it two ways, of course. It was horrible and awful, or you can look at it like, and f- try to find the positives. Like, I made it through 2020. God's still good. God's still on the throne. And he taught me a lot throughout the year. You know, you can, it's all in how you perspective, how, your perspective on how you look at things. And for me, um, I actually grew a lot in 2020 spiritually. Um, I took advantage when we couldn't meet in here and we had to close down for that little bit there in March, April. I I took advantage of that opportunity and felt like God was saying, I can have more of your attention now. I can spend more, you can spend more time with me. I can spend more time with you because you're not distracted by a lot of other things that are going on in the world right now. So to me, I, I grew in 2020. And, you know, it was tough. It's a difficult year, and a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened in the church, but God's still good. He's still good. He still has a plan for the church. He still has a plan for your life, and he wants to see you operate in that. Amen? So uh, just, uh, just thanking God for 2020, looking forward to 2021. And I just wanted to thank all of our volunteers and our staff for everything you guys do. Um, that may sound, oh, Rick's giving thank yous and stuff because they're talking about them today after church. It's the end of the year thing, okay? I appreciate all of our volunteers. I appreciate our staff. They work really hard, and we couldn't do what we do around here without all of them. So if you could just clap, give them a hand clap. Everybody that ties and gives to the church, um, prayer warriors in the church, I just thank you guys for that. Thank you for being faithful through all of this in 2020. And again, I'm excited for the new year. Um, and I know God's got big plans and got big things in store for the church in 2021. I'm excited to see all that happen and see the lives that are going to come down to this altar and give their life to Jesus and start serving and getting plugged in here at Orchardville Church. You have to see it. You have to see it. And you have to see like God sees and he sees big. Um, he, he operates outside of the realm of how much we can think. So I'm excited about what he's going to do. Um, I just, and then there's some momentum building in the church. You wouldn't think that would happen with a church that's kind of going through a transition, but there's momentum building in Orchardville Church. And I don't know if you sense that and you can feel that as the services have gone on, but God is moving, God's doing something, he's up to something. And also, I just want to give a plug for our Sunday school classes will be kicking off, like uh, new classes, new uh, material curriculum starting in January, so that's next week. I know Kathy's uh, going to be teaching on detours, and how we still find our destiny in God, even though we sometimes get sidetracked with things that we can still operate in our destiny that God has for us, despite those detours in life. Fred's going to be teaching, I believe, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, amen, and, and how God can use you and the gifts he wants to place inside of you and, and for those to build up the church. That's what they're used for, and to learn about those. So, and uh, Jason and Angie teaching, I'm not going to say ages, I think that's okay, George. If you, whatever class you feel comfortable in, go to that class. Um, if you're not plugged in in Sunday school yet, I encourage you to do so. It's, 
It's uh, kind of like a family training hour is what it is. And we've got it from young ones all the way up to the older ones. So get plugged into Sunday school. Exciting things happening there. Jason and Angie, I know we're going to continue on in Revelation, I think. So if that's interesting to you, it's interesting if you haven't read it. Um, get plugged in in their class. I'm just excited about those things that will be happening. And I'm also... Um, let's see. I don't know how to word this. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to look at some prayer and fasting as a church. Um, now, whether you want to join me in that or not, that's fine, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge a 21-day prayer and fasting starting January 10th for our church, and I believe that God, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline that's probably lacking in all of our lives. We don't think about it too much, but in the Bible, it tells us to do a few things. It tells us to give, it tells us to pray, and it tells us to fast. Um, so I believe if, if we'll do our part um, and I'll hit on more of this in, in the coming days and stuff and through Facebook, but if we'll do our part in all those things and, and pray and fast to set up the new year, I, I believe God honors that and God will bless that for our church. So I'll be looking for some of that on Facebook and I think that's all I wanted to kind of open with. So we're going to talk this morning about run to the father and it's a very familiar story in the Bible. I love this story. Um, it's found in Luke chapter 15. If you want to turn there this morning, that's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. Run to the Father. And before I get too far into this this morning, um, I want to tell you guys that when you come into the church building, you are safe from whatever the enemy has tried to bring against you. As soon as you come in this building, this is a safe place. And it, and it says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. When you call in the name of the Lord, when you enter into this building, you are safe from whatever the enemy is bringing against you. Um, we call in the name of the Lord, we're safe. And the enemy can't come against us. In Matthew 11.28, it says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And sometimes when, when I enter in those doors, I want to run. I want to get up here and say, God, this has been a, it's been a hard week. I'm running to you. I know I can find peace in you and rest in you and strengthen you. So I'm coming in here looking for that father. And he gives it to us. So run to the father. Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. Can I pray? Can we pray again? Is that all right? Um, my mind's all over the place right now. Father, we just come to you now and I thank you, Jesus, for... Everything that you do for us, God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit just invades this place, God, that you work through every heart and mind in here this morning, God. Lord, use me as a vessel to bring your word, Father, and, and Lord, I just pray right now that you have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we go, starting now. I'm going to read 11 through 16 to get going here. And then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into his fields to feed swine." And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So this man has two sons, 
And the majority of what we're going to talk about this morning is talking about the younger son, the prodigal son who, who ran away. And uh, it talks about the older son towards the end of this, and that's kind of another message in itself. But we're going to talk about the younger one this morning. And he said in there, give me, a, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So in those days, a father could either to, to grant inheritance before or after his death. And this son, out of greed and selfishness, says, I want it now. I want my inheritance now. And he's pretty much saying, I'd rather you be dead and just give me everything that's owed to me now. So um, through his greed and selfishness, he's wanting it now. And I love also, though, that the father illustrates God's love here. His love allowed rebellion and in some sense respected human will. We have a God that will let us choose what we, what we want to do. We have free will to do the things that we want to do. And we can rebel and God will allow that. Um, we, again, we have that choice to do that. And he has this choice here. He's going to rebel. And the father knows that, you know, and God knows that. God knows that we're going to make decisions in life that are not good. Yet he still loves us. So he's going to be facing that here. And it says he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So he, he went to be independent of his father. And he just lives this reckless life, this foolish life, this extravagant life. And I'm sure it was fun to be able to do that while it lasted. And he, and he finds that he's going to run into some trouble. Said, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. Now, he was to blame for his wasteful life that he was doing. He's to blame for all that stuff. He wasn't to blame for the famine, but it was going to affect him anyway. All right? So it says he began to be in want. And it said he sent him into his fields to feed Swine. So he's driven by hunger and need. The son accepted work that was unacceptable and offensive to any Jewish person because swine were unclean under the law. In Leviticus 11.7 it says, And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hoofs, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. And no one gave him anything. Now some people will look at this and have compassion and sympathy for the son there are other people, just like in the world today, will say, you made your bed, now you lie in it. I've heard that. I think my mom and dad said that to me. <laughs> so, um, but there's some that would have compassion on him, but he gets nothing. No one gave him anything. And then he comes to this good decision in the next couple of verses, 17 through 19. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But when he came to himself. So he's in this misery, in this condition. He's wasted away everything he has. He's, he's eating with the pigs, slopping around in a pig pen. And he starts to think clearly. He has what we would call an aha moment, like, what is going on? What am I doing? We've been there in our lives. I've been there several times. What am I doing? And, I, and you just start to think clearly, like, what have I gotten myself into? And he finds himself there. He didn't think about, how can I improve the conditions in this pig pen? He just started thinking about the wrong choices that he made. And, and how he wanted to, to get back to what he had. In his rebellion and his disobedience, he wasn't himself. 
And he starts to focus on his father. He doesn't, again, he doesn't focus on the pig pen. He doesn't focus on his boss that's put him out there to work there. He doesn't focus on what he was doing there. He starts to focus on his father. And it's kind of like us in life. When we start to get mixed up in things, and it doesn't even have to be something you know, bad. It just We start to go a wrong direction in life. And we, we come to those moments where we say, what am I doing? How did I get here? And we start thinking the right way and we understand we need to shift our focus back on our father. I need to get my focus back on my father because I've lost my way somewhere between there and here. And he says, I'll arise and go to my father. Again, he's thinking about his father. And when he came back, when he's returning to his father, he's telling him, he says, also came back to the village and to the house, but his focus again was on returning to his father. And this is how we need to come back to God. A lot of people will say, um, when they're going through something in life, and, and I've heard this said to me, oh, I just need to get back to church. Or I just need to get around my Christian friends again, and that's going to help me get better. The first thing you need to do is get that relationship right with him. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're coming into the church it does matter, but it doesn't come, matter if you're coming in here saying, I, I just need to be in church, or I just need to be around my friends. You can't live off the faith of your friends. You can't live off the faith of your family. You can't live off the faith by just coming into the church. You have to get that relationship right with him first. Now, whether that's here in the church building or on the end of a road, dead-end road, or wherever it is, you have to get that relationship right with your father. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's preparing this speech that he's going to give to his father. And he shows, you know, just how unworthy. I'm unworthy. And he's honestly confessing his sin. We have a hard time with that for some reason. We'd rather keep it to ourselves and keep it private instead of letting it out sometimes and, and, and asking for forgiveness on things. And he would not even ask to be treated as a son, but as a hired servant. He thought completely differently. You know, in the beginning of this, he's saying, Father, give me. Give, 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 give. And sometimes we do that to God, but by the end of it, he's saying, make me. And I believe that's what God wants in our life, for us to just say, make me into who you want me to be. Mold me into who you want me to be, God. I don't have to get, get, get from you. I just want to be who you want me to be. And help me with that. Verses 20 through 24, it says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat. And be married, for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. And he arose, says it, he arose and came to his father. So he has this thought that I'm going to go back to my father. He didn't just think it, he did it. We have these moments in life where we say, I know I need to get right with God, and, and, and actions speak louder than words. I know I need to get right with God. We know what we need to do. We know what we need to say, but we don't do it. And he's thinking this, and he says, I'm going to go to my father, and he actually did it. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. 
God's love for us waits. Waits for us to come to him. He's never going to force himself on you. He will wait on you to make that decision to come to him. Just like this man had done here. It was a love that fully received. You know, a lot of times, and, and, and this is a good thing, I think. I've said it. I used it. My parents used it on me. I'm sure their parents used it on them. But uh, when you do something wrong and you break your parents' trust, you guys know where I'm going with this, they say, I forgive you. I still love you, but it's going to take a little while to earn my trust back. I've heard it multiple times. <laughs> um, and I use it on my kids. But in this story, the father here doesn't, he doesn't act like that towards his son. He's not putting him on probation. Oh, you really disgraced our family. You really messed up. He has compassion on him right away. He loves him right away. He's not going to say, uh, you, you need to prove yourself a little bit. Why don't you just, you know, I'll slowly start letting you come around again. He, he doesn't act like that towards him. He loves him, just like our father loves us. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And what a, a, a picture to put in your mind that this father, disgraced by his son, he knows his son's made these bad choices, this father runs after his son when he sees him coming. And if I could have Aaron, Aaron go over there and stand over there, please. Maybe by bear. Keep your back to me. Just make him stay there a while. But I just envision in my mind that this is how God is with us. That, you know, I, I, Aaron, Aaron may have made some bad decisions this week. He may have done things that God wasn't happy about. Um, that could be me. That could be you standing over there. But as soon as Aaron turns around and says, God, I want to come back to you. Father, I want to come back to you. And he turns around. Boom, here's God. Boom. I ain't going to kiss you. But he comes. <laughs> but he comes just like that when we say, God, I need you back in my life. I want to make things right. God takes off running after us. Amen. That's how his heart is towards us. Amen. It doesn't matter how much we've messed up. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we, what, whatever's going on in our life. He runs to us as soon as we say, I want you. Amen. Here he comes. That's what this father does. And he kissed him and and him running was probably unusual for that time anyway. But he just takes off sprinting after him and loves him and kisses him and hugs him. And, and he's just so happy to see him. And, he's, and, he, and he gives him this prepared speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. So he's saying this to his father, letting him know how sorry he is. And it's like the father doesn't even hear him. I don't care. You're home. And God says that to us. I don't care what you've done. You're home. I don't care what you messed up in. There's forgiveness. You're home with me now. I still love you. It says, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. These, aren't, these weren't things that he needed. But the father still wanted to honor him because he came home from death to life. And they begin to be merry. And sometimes we as Christians think there's a better life for us. You know, I've seen kids in our youth group walk away from God. And they think they want to try. I mean, I've seen people in our church do that. Walk away from God. Or I just got out of the habit of coming, so I just, I just don't come anymore. 
and they choose, maybe it's not, you know, we, we, as, as Christians, we like to judge one sin being worse than the other. Sin's a sin, it's sin, okay, no, no matter what it is. Um, but we get in this place where we think there's a better life outside of God for us, that we want to experiment with things and try things. And that's the same thing this prodigal son thought in this story. But he quickly found out that what the world had to offer him didn't fulfill him. I've been there. There's some things I experimented with and, and, made, and even with my foul mouth that I thought this was the life that I need to live. This is where it's at. And I found out it left me empty. You guys are in here. You know that too. That we experiment with things. We try things that are against what God would want for our lives. For our lives. And, and we find it's empty. There's nothing there. And the problem is, is, is that sin, it never delivers on what it promises you. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. And people believe lies about sin, and, and what, what makes us do that? Well, there's a couple things. It's our sinful nature. We're born into sin. So that's our nature to want sin. But there's also an enemy out there that feeds lies into our head. That if I just take this little hit of this right now, that all my pain's going to go away, and if I just keep doing this, I'll keep masking the problem, and, and I'll, I'll be better. Or if I, just, if I just keep drinking this alcohol, if I just keep drinking it and drinking it and drinking it, that's, that's really what I need. That's what's going to bring peace in my life. And it doesn't. Or if I could just, you know, eventually find something as I'm running away from God, find something to do with my life that's really going to bring joy and happiness to me, and we find out it doesn't. And there's so many things we can name off that we try, that we experiment with, that we try to find fulfillment in, and it leaves us empty. And we get to a point where we say, I, I, I just don't feel God. What happened? I thought this stuff, you know, I thought the, what I was hearing in my head, these things were going to make me happy, they were going to fulfill my life, and they don't. They don't. There's a saying that goes, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And it's always going to lead to death and heartbreak in your life. So many people are trying to, to fill this void in their life that can only be filled by Jesus. They may not understand that right now. They're out there searching for something. It's him. It's him. And Jesus is telling us in this parable what I love it so much is, why I love it so much is that true joy, true love, true happiness is all found in me is what he's saying to us. It's found in me. And some of us are thinking this morning, well, it's nice that you're preaching on the prodigal, Rick, but that's not me, so this isn't for me this morning. We're all prodigals. We've all at one time or another run away from God um, to choose our own thing over him. We might be doing it right now. That, you know, I, I think if we're not pursuing God, we're moving away from God. And if we're not moving away and we're just standing still, then he wants to vomit us out of his mouth because we're lukewarm. So there's no in-between. We're either pursuing him all out with our whole heart or we're not. So there's a little bit of prodigal in all of us. If, if you can sit here this morning and say, I'm probably really not pursuing God like I should be, then you need to 
run to the Father. If you're in here this morning and you're just kind of lukewarm, like, ah, just, I come to church and I do my thing and that's, that's how it is, I wouldn't say God's active in my life, then you need to run to the Father. If you're in here this morning and you're choosing sin and rebellion and, and, and this lifestyle contrary to what God would want for you, you need to run to the Father. It's all of us. The praise team would come up. I want to close with a story. I'm talking about, you know, all of us being partly prodigals in here. Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. If we're not seeking God, are we hiding from Him? I mean, that's something to ask ourselves this morning. And, you know, I saw another saying that said, some of you guys are playing hide and seek with God, and one day He's going to come back and say, ready or not, here I come. About me and my dad. I, uh, during high school, I didn't really date until I was 16. Let me give you a little bit of my personal story and embarrassment. 16, I didn't kiss a girl until I was 16, didn't date until I was 16. Uh, but when I dated for the first time, I dated a senior when I was a sophomore. <sighs> I thought I was something. Um, this girl was not a Christian, so there I am, I'm, I'm, I'm the prodigal, I'm running away and choosing something else besides God. Um, she wasn't a Christian, but she had me hooked. She was a senior, she was pretty. I was a skinny, gangly sophomore that wasn't cool, I didn't really think. <laughs> um, I told you guys I dealt with the depression issues and things like that, so when I got some attention from somebody older, I'm going to go for it. And going from a, a boy at 16 who hadn't kissed anyone to a boy that went all the way with a girl and had premarital sex. Running away from God instead of running to the Father. And it, it wasn't a, I thought it was a good time for my life, but it wasn't. It led to other things in my life and other bad decisions but I remember one night as, as I'm dating this girl and I'm just head over heels. I mean, I gotta be with her all the time. I remember uh, my dad telling me one night, it started changing me, who I was as a person. And it wasn't good. And I remember my father telling me, you're not going to see her. <laughs> I'm, I'm 16, dad, I can do what I want. And I remember being so angry when they told me that, that you're not going out to see her. They knew what it was doing to my life. They were trying to protect me. I didn't see that then. But I got so mad at my dad that night that I shoved him up against a wall. My father. Because I was running from my heavenly father. And my dad in that moment, you know, a lot of dads in here might have decked your child if he did that to you. That's your prerogative, I guess, but... My dad didn't do that. He had every right to put me in my place for shoving him up against the wall, but he said, get in the car. 
I didn't want to get in the car. <laughs> but he took me to a park there in town and he put his arm around me. He said, Rick, I love you. But the stuff, you, what you're choosing right now is not what God wants for you. And instead of being angry with me, my dad loved me through that. He loved me. Despite me choosing something contrary to what he would want in my life, he showed me forgiveness and love. And I'll never forget that, that he had every right to spank me to, to whatever because of the way I was acting. But he loved me. He put his arm around me and he loved me and he talked me through it. Did it fix everything for me in the future? No. But it stood out to me that my, God's gonna, my, my dad's going to love me no matter what, just like God does. This morning, if you guys will stand. I want everybody to know in here this morning that no matter how far you go down a path of destruction in the wrong way away from God, that there's always a path of forgiveness back to him. That he loves you so much. Like I said, it may not be drugs or alcohol or premarital. It may not be any of that stuff right now. But if you're, you're, run, if you're not pursuing God right now, then you're in the same boat. If you're not pursuing him, you are a prodigal that's going the wrong direction. And this morning, I just want to encourage you to run to the Father. I don't even have to, I mean, I'd love to pray with you, but if you just want to come spend time in this altar this morning and say, God, I'm running to you. I realize that there's things in my life that I've chose that are not right. I want to run to you and give those up. I realize that I'm not pursuing you. You don't have my whole heart right now. I'm running down to this altar to give it back to you. So I just encourage you this morning to to run to the Father and spend some time in the altar in prayer. If you need a prayer for anything else, a special need, healing, um, or you want to stand in for somebody, maybe you're a parent in here that, hey, my son or daughter is that prodigal right now, or you're a grandparent, my grandson, my grandchild, my granddaughter is running away from God and you just need to spend time praying for that person. God moves, God honors prayer. We have to do it.